0: Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is my colleague, Neil Toff. Neil is president and co-founder of Callzilla, a customer experience-focused outsourced contact center, and he is the host and co-founder of Fireside Chats Without the Fires, a podcast about CX. Also, Neil recently wrote a chapter in the Customer Experience 4 book, which for my video friends, I'm putting up right now. Yeah, yeah. So so exciting. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in this episode. And Neil is a co-author along with 17 other global practitioners and thought leaders. He is also treasurer of SOCAP, a leading consumer affairs and customer care organization in the US. Neil completed his MBA from the HEC Paris Business School, and resides in beautiful South Florida with his nine-year-old son, his pride and joy. Hi, Neil, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Denise, thank you. It's a privilege to be here and an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I have uh, cheered you on on LinkedIn from the sidelines, I think, almost since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Before, I really kind of knew you, and uh, it's been a privilege to see how the podcast has grown and getting to like it and comment and see all the wonderful guests that you've had and great content that you've produced. So I'm I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you.
0: And yes, you are a big supporter, and I appreciate that. But this is all about you, Neil. Um, So let's just start with congratulations. First of all, congrats on being a first-time published co-author. So exciting. but let's let's Thank take you. a yeah yeah let's take a step back and for our listeners who may not be as familiar with the series, I was one of them until last year. Wondering if you could at a at a high level tell us about the customer experience book series, its format, its intent, things like things like that.
1: Yeah, it's a great. Um, I, I use the word project loosely. I don't, I don't know if that's a fair word to describe it. It's it's a great ongoing, living, breathing organism. It's now obviously has four iterations, four editions. Um, the creators are uh, Name Arif and uh, Andrew Priestley, um, two gentlemen that reside uh, in the United Kingdom. Um, they, ha- they assemble uh, a collection of authors. Some of the authors have written multiple times throughout the four editions about different topics in CX. There's never a re- repeated topic. They, they're just fresh, short, abbreviated takes on a number of issues of the day uh, within the CX community. And what's really great about it, among many things that are great about the series, is that the authors are truly global. They are from a myriad of, of countries and company types. Some are practitioners that work in uh, large enterprises. Some of them are consultants. Some of them are uh, thought leaders that just write and generate content consistently. Um And then there's others. And it it just represents a diversity of thought. It's a wonderful group to be a part of. Um, and I, you know, this particular edition, uh, the fourth one custom experience for is really fun to get to know the authors just a bit. Um, some of them I knew ahead of, you know, from before, cause I'd interviewed them uh, on my podcast and others I had never met before. I just have exchanged uh WhatsApp messages. by the way we have a great WhatsApp, um, uh, thread among, amongst us. Uh, there are people that are in the Middle East. There are people that are in Asia. There are people that are in the U.S. There are people that are in different uh, countries throughout Europe. It's, it's a very eclectic, fun group to be a part of.
0: Yeah, and you had mentioned you had interviewed some of them, and I did catch some of those. I guess it was maybe last year on your podcast. And um, wondering how you got tapped to be on the other side as a co-author.
1: Yeah. Can so you talk about uh, never, is that. Top secret. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. <laughs> it's. It, it's really a democratic um, story, so I'll, I'll explain. Um, I had never heard of uh, the first or second uh, editions. The third one, kind of, I, I came across it by accident on LinkedIn. You know, it was published and people were talking about it, and the, you know, posts and likes and blog entries and all these things and so paul and i paul my co-host and co-creator he and i discovered it thought, wouldn't it be cool to interview some of these people and he reached out to most i reached out to a few and we got them scheduled and um they were really willing to come on and we did not do the interviews in conjunction with the creators with naeem and or or andrew we just did it on our own little did we know that naeem who we later interviewed at the end was just an incredible thought leader himself and a wealth of content and knowledge. And um, uh, Naeem just told me, like, we've got the fourth edition coming up kind of soon. If you're interested, you know, just pay attention and look out. And sure enough, the call came and I volunteered. By the way, it's an easy process. Just because you say you want to write a chapter doesn't mean you're going to get approved or that, you know, you can do it. It's a very strict, rigid, structured process. And, and fortunately, I put something together that that they accepted. And You know, then I had to actually sit down and write it. And I was probably the last person to finally submit the thing because I went through that writer's, you know, psychology of, Oh my God, what am I going to write about? Is it good enough? Oh my God, it's going to be embarrassing. I can't believe I actually just wrote that. Yeah. I finally overcame that thing and had some help and got it submitted. And fortunately they accepted it and they didn't uh, override much of what I had written. So I I, I take that as a compliment that they found some value in it. And I'm I'm honored to have been part of that. I will say that uh, for the next additions in the future, I would love to contribute a new chapter, a different kind of perspective and thoughts on it. But um, I did it and I broke, I, I broke through and, and, and I'm proud of getting through the over the writer's block and now being yeah. part of this, this really cool group. Well, that's a huge,
0: huge accomplishment. And it's in the book. I've seen it. Um, now it barely made it in the book. Now it is last chapter in the book, which was a nice surprise. Um, and the chapter is called Fireside Chats, What Customer Experience Podcasting Can Teach Us. i um, wondering what was the um, intent of your chapter, and do you think you ended up achieving that?
1: It's a great question. So I wrote it towards the end of last calendar year, 2021. and It was just kind of a reflection of all the stuff that was in my mind around CX at that particular time, emerging from the pandemic as a CX podcaster, swimming in a very, very busy pool of CX podcasters. Uh, You certainly, we've talked about it. There are so many people that create these CX podcasts now, um, and just kind of the thought process of, should I stop? Should I continue? What angle should I take with the podcast? Uh, And kind of comparing and contrasting Paul and my own work with that of uh, some of the other CX podcasters, and kind of like the existential thought of to be or not to be. Should we continue on with the podcast? What should I do in my own uh, CX role? Do I stop? Do I continue? Because this thing is just exploding across the globe of how big it is. You know, what should the focus be in the podcast and in my own work as um, as, as owner-operator of, of Callzilla in the BPO space? You know, what should we be focusing on? What is in the crystal ball? What's in the present? Where should I be orienting and driving the business? And just, again, lots of of existential questions and i attempted to you know paint some brush strokes around some of those things
0: yeah so you referred to empathy and delight in your chapter uh i believe as wasted objectives and uh the little note that empathy is cute and i was surprised by that especially with a strong position you know i've been reading over the past few years in fact i was just listening to um Another podcast, Remarkable Retail. I don't know if you know those guys, but they actually were talking about empathy could be viewed viewed as a business strategy. So, given that background, what were you hoping to kind of stir up with those with those statements? Which I believe yeah, is what you're we doing. Yeah, yeah I,
1: yeah, I love the word stir up because I think that that's the point. As a, I don't know, I don't know if I describe myself as a thought leader, but I certainly
0: Go at least refer to myself
1: as a thinker. I, I I think, and one should take the responsibility of not going always with the grain, but try to go against the grain when possible. Question authority, uh, you know, subvert the dominant paradigm, all that stuff that we you know learned and and and, and espoused maybe when we were a bit younger. Um, I still like to challenge thought, right? Like I don't think that we should accept everything as a as a truth or as an absolute, especially in CX. I mean, there's so much out there. Um, you and I both are on LinkedIn all day long and we're reading content and liking and commenting. And I, I don't like to just like stuff because I like the person or because they're you know on the list of the top 30, whatever. I like to challenge the thought and do so in a way, of course, that's respectful. But uh, just because there are commonly held so-called truths, I want to question them. And the, there's some that are out there like, oh, you need to be empathetic. I mean, yeah, sure, empathy, empathy is a nice thing. Empathy is a very difficult thing to achieve. Not all of us are born with the ability to be empathetic. I'm not so certain that uh, we need to be empathetic in customer care. It's a nice to have. I'm not certain it's a need. What I do think is a need is creating good experiences for customers and resolving their questions, issues, challenges. And I don't think that one must be empathetic to do so. I think we need to resolve their things and create frictionless or less environments that have less friction and and require less effort. And we can do that without necessarily being empathetic. Empathy is a very tricky thing to, like I said, to teach, to train, to monitor. Um, And I think we can be successful in a customer care environment, in a customer experience Without necessarily being empathetic. I think it's cute. Now, cute was being certainly, was being sarcastic. I was definitely being sarcastic, but you know what? I got you to react and maybe think about it for an extra half a second. And hopefully it had that effect on other readers, good or bad. And they can be, ch- they can challenge me and tell me I'm full of, you know what? And, and tell me I'm, you know, go to heck. And, that, and that's okay. But at least we generated uh, a dialogue and generated good content, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I think anything in isolation, or anything, everything in moderation, right? So it's not just empathy; that's not going to be the key to unlock consumer satisfaction. And uh, we can be friends if we don't feel the same way about empathy. But I do think that it's one of the, the the key basic tenets of customer care, from my perspective. But like I said, we don't we can have different opinions on that. But let's move in to um, the study that you reference in your chapter. Your chapter leverages the 2020 Rage Study that our colleague John Goodman over at CCMC had spearheaded. And, you know, it's a great study. And I think it wrapped up right around the start of the pandemic in 2020. So I'm wondering here, um... You know, now that it's two years later, how do you think the metrics might be different if the uh, the survey was conducted and, and completed today?
1: It's, it's a great question. So, by the way, I love the fact that John Goodman and his team have literally been conducting essentially the same survey since the 70s. Right. I think
0: 1976
1: was the year the first study was, was conducted. Nobody else has done work around this. It barely existed then. He was a pioneer. And we have a baseline to compare. And his research, Mm -hmm. his statistics show that customer rage has just increased over time. Now, isn't it ironic that we have the customer experience field exploding in size and Mm -hmm. focus? It's global. Technology is more and more readily available. It's cheaper. It's easier to access. We have more and more communication channels. We have an infinite number of metrics and ways to calculate things. But rage has increased. What a what a contrast, right? So that for me is um, is a big you know it's a big. Uh, big red flag in and of itself, but then you've got the pandemic, where all we're hearing is that customer frustration is increasing. And naturally so. We have supply chain challenges. We have, uh, for hard goods, uh, logistics and shipping challenges. Uh, and we have a massive shortage of labor uh, that affects the supply chain and the customer care provider market, whether you have an in-house contact center. Outsource, it doesn't matter. We're all facing the same challenges. There's fewer and fewer people to, that are willing to do those jobs. And the cost of doing those jobs has blown up as the economy has suffered inflation. And even if you can pay more money to the people to do that work, there's still less and less available. So we've got a major problem. Now, uh, my opinion of that, I have. this is not based on John's, John Goodman's RAID study, but I think we're in an even greater predicament right now than the 2020 results. Here we are two years later and things are looking less and less favorable for all of us in the customer experience community. But again, contrast that with all the things we just talked about. More communication channels, more technology that's available that's cheaper. But here we are and our customers are more and more frustrated.
0: I think what I hear you saying is that we've got all these digital improvements So you would think that any rage would be, you know, moderated by that a bit. Um, But then you have all these macro, I don't know if they're macro or micro things going on um, with the supply chain and the long haul truckers and things like that. Um, You're saying that you still feel that you would net net with the, um, the customer rage would still be at a similar level to John's study from 2020?
1: It's at least similar, if not greater, would be my guess. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay. Thank you for that.
1: You and a great like- challenge for us, for us who are in this this community. What are we going to do with that? Because the the roadmap out is not so clear. Sure, technology, technology. We're going to get more technology. The technology is not an automate automatic solution. As I've always said, there's no contact center, or you could fill in the the no customer experience easy button. You can't throw more technology over it and all of a sudden assume it's going to go away. It might, if you're lucky, you might fix some of this stuff, but we still have the same challenges, right? Companies still have stuff that's siloed. We collect more and more data, but we don't necessarily know what to do with it. We're smarter in some ways, but in other ways, we're still dumb and we still shoot ourselves in the foot and create terrible problems for our customers around simple, easy stuff. Is is a solution adding automation? Maybe that's part of it, but that's not the, the, the roadmap necessarily out of it. And that it's going to be up to all of us to figure that out. And by the way, that whole existential thing of how do we do this? How do we get out of it? Does it make sense to still be even be in this field? Maybe we should just, you know, go sell oil or pork bellies or dedicate ourselves to something different in our careers. Like maybe this is the time to, to, to consider a change because things aren't necessarily getting better or easier. That's what my thought was around the chapter several months ago.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. And you do talk about, um, you know, raising those questions as I had mentioned, but then you also share some statistics in there, Neil, that look very favorable to the, you know, the BPO side of things. So you're kind of like, all right, let's, if you're going to stick around, you're going to have tons of opportunities to really yeah. work through, and so that
1: that could be interesting.
0: Um, but it yeah, looks like- I mean, we
1: we we asked a um, a set of a, a consultant uh, called Trends Owl to try to help us and guide and make a good business decision. Does it make sense to stay in this space? And they showed us that yes, statistically, the customer care market overall is still growing. The BPO or the outsource space is still growing, right um, The phone or traditional channels are growing not much, but where the real explosion is going to come from is on the automation side right and so I think if for those of us that are in that space, we have to figure out the right environment between yeah. live agent and automation, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. there's still lots of business to be done to be had. Uh, to business to compete for and to be able to grow, um, but it's not easy. Uh, nevertheless, there's still all these inherent challenges. The technology isn't 100% effective yet, uh, and we're still trying to, you know, get our hands around a limited, finite supply of labor that um, mm. is getting more and more expensive. If we can even get our hands and convince them to come work for us. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there, there's, there's going to be a sweet spot between that automation and and human. Element and it's not going to be easy finding that that spot. Um, but you know what? Let's let's get into some more details for the audience. And I don't know if you know this, but I love the details here on the My Curious Colleague podcast. So I'm wondering for the for our uh, colleagues, uh, what what might be a key takeaway, or you know, as I call it, a kernel of an idea that our colleagues might be able to kind of chew on, think on after they read your chapter and potentially read the whole book, but specifically yeah. your chapter. What do you think that might so be? I, Can you give a sneak peek?
1: Yeah, I love the question. And I'm not sure I necessarily touched on this specifically in my chapter, but around the theme of question everything, mm. it would be, is the set of metrics that you, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Brand, or you, Mr. or Mrs., um uh hire or contractor or buyer of customer care and customer experience services and platforms Mm -hmm. is what you're doing today sufficient to really understand the state of customer experience Mm -hmm. so is measuring average handle time is that like is that a true barometer of customer experience Mm -hmm. some people say yes some people say heck no I think it's somewhere in the middle. It's it's one of what I personally think should be a series of things you look at to understand customer experience. But okay. is measuring average handle time it, should that be your your metric? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not so certain. There are other things. Should a CSAT score or an NPS score are those the correct barometer barometers of customer experience? And there's tons of arguments, yes and no, or why in the mm-hmm. middle. I think the important thing is to question okay. and to always test and uh, evolve and try things to get closer and closer and closer to understanding what are my customers experiencing? And most importantly, what do I want them to experience? How do Mm -hmm. I optimize those experiences so that they continue to remain loyal customers? Mm -hmm. And by the way, those um, are important questions. But then the next focus, focus really is, how do I do so in a way that takes into account the business results of my business? How do I do so in a way that is either profitable Mm. or helps my company to uh, increase their top line revenue and their bottom line profitability?
0: Got it. Some great questions that you raise in the chapter along those those lines that you just referred to. Thank you very much. All right. Sadly, we're coming to the end of our podcast, Neil, and uh, wondering if you have a volunteer group you'd like to give a shout out to.
1: I have lots of them. Uh, okay. I am particularly involved. Uh, it, this is a personal one. It is, yeah. it is definitely one that I'm connected to. Uh, so in my private life, I am the president of my synagogue and I don't publish publish or make that very public because mm-hmm. it's just something I do. I, I I'm so involved in that. There are times when I spend my entire work day uh, around that organization, it's Temple Doreen in Weston, Florida, in South Florida, and um, it's a wonderful organization. It, like many nonprofits, has incredible challenges to remain viable uh, mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic. Fewer and fewer people uh, like to pay annual memberships, which is how many nonprofit organizations exist, mm-hmm. through subscriptions or memberships. Um, and so we've had to uh, kind of rethink how do we remain viable, financially viable, mm-hmm. spiritually viable, uh, how do we reflect the wants and interests of our members and create really good member experience? And that's an ongoing process. Then we go back to the topic of experience and existentialism, to be or not to be, and what does that mean for people? Yeah. Um, and I think my my work in customer experience has prepared me to uh hopefully do a good job for that organization. And it's one I'm very close to and my family is close to, and it's one I've learned a lot from and I'm very grateful for.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. You'll send me the, the link and all, and I'll post that. Now, you're going to stick around to uh, record the double secret bonus question after this. You're still on board for that?
1: Double secret, top secret bonus question. Happily and proudly. Not probably.
0: Not Happily probably. and proudly. Proudly. Excellent. Okay, so stay on the line. Um, and uh, and thank you again for today and taking time out of your Sunday to chat with me.
1: I'm happy to do it. It is a uh, point of pride to be able to sit here in the hot seat together with you. Um, you have interviewed some top notch practitioners and thought leaders. Um, I like and comment on most of your episodes. And so now that I get to have a turn at it, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to you. And by the way, audience, you really should applaud and like Denise's content. It's just, it's really, really good. Um, and it's done nothing but get better. It was always good from the beginning, but I've seen it evolve and grow and, um, breathe and percolate with life. And so. Your audience is lucky to have you. Um, You're doing great work.
0: You're sweet. Thank you. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks.
1: You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.